This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 Nation or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV. Make clips and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipIt.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Well, the most important thing is that all of us are are taking the coach's vision, whether that's uh, on the offense side of the ball, defense, special teams, what they're looking for for each player, for each position, and then going finding those guys and building a team and making sure that we keep some of our players together. we got a bunch of young guys coming up. We extended Zach Ertz this week. Um, hopefully looking forward to extending a couple of other guys here before the offseason is over, and then keeping some of our veteran players as well. So just adding good players and giving those guys the tools and the toolbox to go out and win football games. We have made it again to episode number 144. Not again. Uh, not that we've done this for the first time, but it feels a lot like the first time because uh, we finally have two of our co-hosts back that have been uh, ghosting for a while. I don't know. It's like, you know, that term when they're there, but they're, they're you know, always pushing on social media, but you never really talk to them that much. So they're finally all back. Too, all too used to ghosting. <laughs> uh, ben Deton, uh, one of our lead draft writers, is aboard. Of course, uh, Patrick Wall, the major contributor over at BleedingGreenNation.com joining us. And, of course, as always, before we get to them and say hello, we are powered by Clip It. You just, just like you heard before, you watch live TV, you clip it, you, and you share it. It's just that simple. We'll be talking a little bit more of that in the middle of the show, which I know is your favorite part of that. Also, if you're out there on uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, especially on iTunes, please rate, subscribe, review. It is how we get uh, the podcast going and out there and available. And, again, uh, we will have four hours, one, two, three, four hours on 97.5 The Fanatic. Going to be talking with uh, Benjamin Albright, uh, who's been down at the Senior Bowl. Going to get heavy into some of that, plus all the other front office moves. Uh, Patrick Wall has a sold-out show coming up at Kung Fu Necktie. We will all be uh, down there, so if you want to come see some awesome music, if you know uh, the door guy and he can get you in, uh, you can see uh, Patrick Wall rock and roll with some drums with the Queen of Jeans. Patrick, how are you, buddy? Good to hear. Good to see you. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. I feel like it's been a long time it, because it has been a long time. <laughs> um, and I'm just really glad that I've been able to wash 
the stink of this past season off of me and get into everybody's favorite part of the year because you can't lose a game in that's the right. offseason. That's why the uh, you know everybody's everybody's correct for another <laughs> for another three months, and uh, that's what uh, we bring Ben Natan, our lead draft writer, in here for. Not only is he good for pumping iron, stealing a girlfriend, but He's got really good NFL draft takes. That's uh, why we have him board. Ben, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Not much. I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm totally looking forward to the offseason. As you guys know, the Eagles won the Super Bowl last offseason. So I'm looking to uh, <laughs> get that again this year. Yeah, so what th- maybe that's what they need. Maybe the Eagles need to be have, have the worst draft possible and just, you know, be be they need to be Carolina. Sign nobody right? in free agency. Yeah, sign, sign zero people. <laughs> do just do the exact opposite of of whatever it has been and and, and let's start there. I, I get the sense of uh, that's kind of where we're at with the Eagles right now. Uh Howie kind of coming in there. Extends Ertz, extends Selleck, which I thought was a little bit of a surprise here, P. Wall. I figured $5 million free dollars just to kind of move on from, but uh, they they extend both the tight ends. What do you think of that, buddy? Yeah, I remember when that news happened, we were all chatting, and I said, well, there goes uh, Brent Selleck, and then like 30 minutes later, they resigned him or something <laughs> like that. Uh, by the way, uh, make sure to read all of my takes, because I'm always wrong. But uh, uh, no, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I think part of it, you know, Zach Ertz, you had to resign. It's a classic Howie move. It's a classic Joe Banner move. You get these guys, um, you know, maybe before they peak, even though, you know, we've been waiting for Zach Ertz to really break the out. The year for- is 2027, and Zach Ertz has finally busted out. Yeah, yeah, no. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then I think the Selleck thing seems more like, you know, it actually kind of reminds me of the Connor Barwin thing from last year, where it's like, this is a guy who we respect and who we appreciate and we want to make sure he gets a little something, something like when they gave Connor Barwin a raise after um, Brandon Graham got his, his payday. Uh, I think they just don't want to go into the season with Zach Ertz and Trey Burton, even though I think a lot of us would be fine with it. Um, I think uh, Selleck does kind of give you a lot in the locker room, veteran wise, whatever. Uh, I think outside of uh, Doran boss and, Jason Peters, he's the longest tenured Eagle. Actually, I think he is the longest tenured Eagle. Yeah, I think that's um, right. Well, so, well, Darren Boss, but yeah. Yeah. Real, you know, football playing. <laughs> oh, no. oh. I'm kidding. I love you, John. Uh, yeah, no, I I, I, I kind of feel, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, Ben, because like it's a, the the Ertz thing, obviously, that's the, we, we kind of figured that would be coming either this year or next year or whatever. Uh, maybe a slight overpayment. I don't know. <laughs> to me, as far as like, like, again, I think you're paying for the future just like they were trying to anticipate in case he does go crazy in this offense and whatever. I don't, I don't see much difference between what Travis Kelsey would be doing and Ertz would be doing in a similar type of offense, but we'll see, you know, Frank Reich in, in, uh, in San Diego loved using Antonio Gates. So maybe what that's what they're thinking there. Um, I, your reaction to that. I don't I love Brent Selleck and we kind of almost thought he was cooked going into this past off season. And uh, you know, I love, Stash, I, I love hanging out in Old City when I'm there. I think he's a great guy. I, I just don't understand it when it's, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is a pretty time to move, easy time to move on from him. Not that the contract is going to stop you from doing that in a year or two anyway. I mean, as for Zach Ertz, I really like the contract extension because he was awesome the second half of the season, especially the last five games of the season. He he really turned it on for the team when. For the most part, the rest of the offensive skill players were just playing like complete crap. And I think the team really values that. And he has a tendency to really turn it on in the second half of the season. And he's been more and more productive every single season. And actually, 
Uh, only nine other tight ends in history have been as productive as Zach Ertz through the first three years of their uh, careers, and that includes Mike Ditka, uh, Antonio Gates, Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, Kellen Winslow Sr., Kellen Winslow Jr., and Jason Witten. So a bunch of Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers. Uh, not a bad so, list. Not a bad <laughs> list. And I think that uh, Ertz kind of – every year it seems like, oh, why aren't we using Ertz more? Why aren't we using Ertz more? Second half of the season they finally start targeting him more, and he's awesome. Uh, and while Peterson was in – uh, Kansas City, they really made uh, an effort to use their tight ends. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey was a really big staple on that offense uh, for the past two seasons. So well, I, think they, I, I think they had to. As yeah, well, well, yeah, and, and which, but I think we're going to see something similar this year because, or in ne- this upcoming season, because Ertz at this point is the most proven offensive weapon on the team, uh, and I think that you just kind of had to pay for what he brings as a receiver. And I think that the, the presence of a receipt, like that type of receiving threat at tight end is, it really can't be undervalued. Um, and with Reich, um, the way that Reich used Antonio Gates, where you have a lot more of a flex tight end, it's going to be an interesting blend of philosophies where I think Ertz is going to be moved around a lot more and, and used a lot more than he was during Chip Kelly's time where you had, you know, stretches of the season where like, why aren't we getting Zach Ertz involved? Uh, as for Selig, I, I, I've been thinking about it and I don't hate it because one, it's good to keep, you know, savvy veterans in the, in the locker room. And, you know, he's a, he's a locker room favorite. The organization loves him. And also, uh, looking at the crop of, of players that the team would be able to upgrade with, you know, theoretically upgrade with going into the off season. It's not great. The, the tight end class for, for the free agents aren't great where you're looking at like, Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen are probably going to get massive, massive paydays uh, relative to their actual levels of talent, which is gross. And then on top of that, the draft class, a lot of the good tight ends, uh, you know, Evan Ingram, Bucky Hodges, OJ Howard, all of the guys who you would have taken in the top 75, top 80 as tight ends are going back to school. So the Eagles are basically banking on maybe landing a decent free agent or or overpaying for a free agent or getting an okay number two tight end in, in the draft. And I don't think they want to waste those type of resources. So it makes sense to me to keep Selleck around at least for another year. Uh, so I don't actually hate hate that. I thought the, the both the tight end moves made a lot of sense to me, and I like them. Well, yeah, and you got to see – I mean, like it's – and granted, like I, I say all that stuff, and you, you're not exactly going to just – you know, put put that uh, all those eggs in Trey Burton either is your is your tight end too is as much he's contributed to special teams as much as of kind of a Swiss Army knife that I think he could bring there. I understand that you know, and I I, I they love their blocking tight ends. It's what Brent Selick is is really good at. As far as like, and, and speaking of that, as far as like free agent tight ends, I'm looking at it, it's not it's not great. I mean, you know, Vernon Davis, maybe Antonio Gates. Mercedes Lewis, <laughs> Benjamin Watson, uh, Kobe Fleener, a lot of ho-hum guys. Clay Harbor, you could sign him back if you really wanted to. Yeah, Ladarius Lider- Green is out there. So, it's a, you know, it's it's not that exciting either. I, I, I get that part, and you might as well have some of the continuity there, which is kind of interesting, Patrick, because some of these things tell me just the way they've been speaking. And look, a lot of it's coach speak. A lot of it's just how he's saying, like, well, of course we'd like to have this guy back, and of course we'd like to have this guy back. But they've already mentioned – you know, Peter's coming back, which, you know, I think guns to all of our heads. I think you would you would invite that back, even if there isn't a restructure. And I know it's nine million dollars, but 
You don't know what's going to happen in the draft. You don't know what's going to happen in free agency for the, for the time being. I would assume he kind of stays on here, but I, I get the feeling that they're, this is where I don't say like, you know, there was that narrative that was kind of building up and maybe it's still there of this. You need to rebuild this football team. I don't think the Eagles are thinking that, you know, I, I think that they're, they're looking at this base and they're going, okay, we can work with this, this, and we got to add on some more. Like, I, I don't see them kind of doing a complete 180 here. And I'm curious of what you think the next extension would be. Obviously, I know a lot of people think it's Lane Johnson that makes a ton of sense, but outside of Lane Johnson, who would you expect to get an extension now? Oh, well, I would say the next person to get an extension is probably going to be, gun to my head, I'd probably say Vinnie Curry. Yeah. Uh, I know everybody wants it to be Fletcher Cox, um, just because the thought of losing him in free agency is just a nightmare. But um, Vinny is next. His contract is actually up, so you kind of have to get him back. Um, and, you know, if the Eagles do indeed switch to a 4-3 or at least play in an odd front more or an even front more often, um, you're going to need him and you're going to need him to play a lot. So he's the kind of guy the team apparently really loves. Uh, for those of you who care about this kind of thing, he led the uh, the team huddle pregame a lot this season, you know, alongside guys like uh, Malcolm Jenkins and D'Amico Ryan. So that, you know, that's not nothing, I don't think. Um, he's a local guy. You want to keep him around. I mean, he's good. <laughs> First of all, he's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as a, as a 4-3 D end, I think he can do a lot of damage with um, with the other guys on, the, on that defensive line. And so, um, you know, you'd, you'd like to get Fletcher Cox lined up. I think that'll happen. I would imagine it's going to be it's going to be Vinny. Yeah, I, do you uh, expect the same here, Ben? I mean, that's pretty much where my head's at. I think, I think Curry and I think Lane Johnson. Outside of that, I think everything's kind of a crapshoot unless you want to rework Malcolm Jenkins, which wouldn't be a bad idea here. But um, yeah, what do you think is coming next? Yeah, I think Curry makes the most sense because not only does the team need him to stay, and you know the team loves him. He probably loves being in Philadelphia. I know he grew up in the area and everything like that. Um, but it's probably also the easiest contract extension or contract to make and negotiate because with Lane and with Cox, you're talking about premium players at absolute premium positions. So both of them are going to get upwards of $70 million, you know, total on their, on their contract. So like, that's a much serious, uh, and probably arduous contract negotiation thing to go, go through with than what they're going to have to go through with Vinny, who I assume is going to get something like what Brandon Graham got last season. Um, which would be fantastic. I, which would be, yeah, no, which would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no expert on any of this though. Uh, but yeah, Vinnie Curry makes the most sense just cause I think it's probably the easiest, uh, contract to make right now. I'm curious why Vinnie wouldn't want to test the free agency market though. I mean, unless he really wants to stay here and he knows what's kind of coming. If he's going to be in a, in a, in a wide nine look every now and again, I guess that would kind of be appealing. Um, but it, you know, you're already kind of collecting your paycheck before that, all that stuff happens. And, uh, yeah, I, I just I get the sense that this team isn't going to be a huge rebuild, and I don't. I, again, I I think we've all been in one way or another saying this saying this a lot, and I think it always comes back to the same damn discussion. And and guess what? Here's QB debate three hundred and fifty five of the off season that you're going to have uh, because this is what we asked everybody, I, and th- I think this changes dramatically as far as if they decide to hold on to Bradford or not on whatever kind of deal that they need. Uh, you know the needs for the draft kind of kind of shift here, and I the, he wants to be back. They want, supposedly want him back, uh, but I, I in my mind from everything we've been kind of hearing around here, and a lot of people have been talking about. It, I just don't think I think he's gone. I don't think he's going to be here. But regardless, 
you know, we asked, like, what is what is the Eagles' biggest need heading into this offseason? Out of 450 people here now, 57% of you say offensive line. And I don't know if that's I, – I don't know if that's necessarily true, you know? Especially if Bradford's not here, then I think it completely changes that completely. QB comes in at 36. I think our own Matt Daring is the only one to vote for a defensive end or outside linebacker. I, I threw in a wide receiver vote because I think that's where you need to be as far as, like, range and if Bradford's here and – you know, I, I I just it's not it's not a great draft for the needs that the Eagles need here, P Wall, but like what is your biggest need right now? And like I honestly, like why wouldn't you bring Sam Bradford back? Well, first first things first, is quarterback on that list? Quarterback is on that list. Then it's your number one need. <laughs> if you are if you have to debate whether or not a quarterback is your number one need, or if you have to debate if, if the quarterback is on a potential list, I don't care what place it comes in. In the voting, it's your number one need. If you don't have a quarterback, oh God, I, it's Mariota all over again. Yeah, it? Well, it is, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. But there's, Sorry. But there's no Mariota. That's the, there's, there, no Mariota. There, there's a clear difference between what, what – I mean, Ben, do you at least agree with that? There's a clear difference between the debates we would have last offseason between Foles, Mariota, and Winston and what there is now between Bradford, Wentz, Lynch, Goff, uh, Brissett, whoever else kind of falls in that realm here because – that I, 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 I'm with you if you're in the top five at 13. I don't know. 13 and no second round pick. I don't know. Yeah, I would I would agree with you that while yeah, quarterback is a huge need, but it's a different conversation this offseason than what we were trying to have last offseason because Winston and Mariota both were and have proved to be very, very special football players. Um, and I don't like as much as I like a lot of these prospects in, in different ways, I, it would be hard to even put them on a on a tier near uh, Winston or Mariota. So yeah, I, I don't think that the the players are as up to snuff as they were last year, but uh, the the need is still there. And and we see in the NFL and we saw with the team last year that if your quarterback's not playing well, your, your team doesn't mean crap. Uh, it doesn't matter who your offensive linemen are. So it yeah. just quarterback needs to be <laughs> it needs to be the thing. Well, so let me throw this one at you guys. I don't actually know what my opinion is on this necessarily, but. So the last year we were talking about getting Mariota. We wanted the Eagles to get Mariota no matter what the cost with within. I mean, for the most part, whether that was Fletcher Cox, whether that was Sam Bradford, whether that was every first round pick until the Sixers win a championship, like whatever it is, it does that change the calculation? Does it change the calculus to you guys? If we're talking about a quarterback in maybe the A tier, the A tier, like a Mariota or a Winston and giving up all that stuff or giving up nothing essentially and drafting a guy like a, like a, like a Wentz at 13 to 20 ish, but still or any of those. Really? So, so, well, that's, that's a great question. People. And that's the, that I guess we've, to me, I think we've, we've answered that a lot is because it's not, it is not that clear and cut and dry because there's arguments to, to both sides here. I think if there isn't, and look, I know the sunk cost thing comes up all the time, but if you don't have a second round pick and and you really just, it, we talk about optionality so much in sports and how, how important that is. And look, it's a, it's limited a little bit to what happened to last off season. I'm sure there's some moves that you can get back into the second round. Like, of course, somebody can take those two third round picks and maybe a late seventh and you get you back up, up into the second round. There's something that can be said about that. That's fine. But 
I, I just feel like this, you're stuck. You are stuck choosing a quarterback at 13, 10, 8, whatever it is you kind of move up and down to. And then you're just stuck with that. You're going to be stuck with that, Sanchez, Chase Daniels, and the other things that you draft there. So I, I don't know, Ben. I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Like there's, it's going to be uh, such a, such a, it, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just how he wanting to make his mark as well. I, I just feel like most of this is whatever the thing that wasn't last year is the right thing to do this year. And I think that's more the mentality that's happening right now. And I just don't see why that's necessary. There are still some good, decent things that came out of last year, like your ability to, I it, I don't know, I guess build on to build on to what's here, rebuild, however you want to call it. But you have to have a guy here that's, that that can play fucking quarterback, and I just you can't do that with any of these guys in the Eagles range in year one. Am I wrong about that? No, I I, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think that regardless of of who the first quarterback taken is, it, it they're not going to be a an immediate thing. I mean, there once again, there's no Winston, there's no Mariota, there's not a guy who can come in day one and be like, wow, that guy's really good. I mean, there's guys who you know you could you could let them come in and, you know, have them put their hand near the stove um, throughout the season and, and make mistakes and everything like that. But it, you're not going to get an instant, instant team changer, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I think if you're willing to just kind of accept the idea of a rebuild uh, and bring a quarterback in and just kind of support that quarterback, then that's fine. But if you're, if you're bringing in a quarterback and you're expecting him to be, you know, Winston or, or, or Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota or, or any of these like really good young quarterbacks right off the bat, you're going to have a serious problem. And, and that, I mean, that's what the team really, that's a decision the team really needs to make. But in Patrick, don't you get, do you get the sense that that was, that's what's coming for the Eagles? I know that there's kind of been some back and forth stuff uh, even today of like, yeah, maybe they try and work out a short term deal, which I, I would think would be beneficial to both sides. But um, I think Shermer not being here was important. I think Kelly getting fired was important. I think Howie Roseman being the GM is important. I think, you know, there's a lot of those different factors that, that come in here. But at the end of the day, do you think that they, you know, pull down the franchise tag and say, okay, now we're, we're, we're going to work out a deal. We're going to make this work. And we're going to take a quarterback at some point in this draft. That's what I would like them to do. I think that's probably the smartest move for the Eagles. I don't, I'm genuinely unsure of what, um, of what Bradford wants. I mean, if, if he can get a, a shorter term deal with more money, maybe um, up front, at least would he rather do that than go to Houston? He already said he doesn't want to go to Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know where else. I mean, there's only like a one or two more spots I can think of that even need a starting quarterback. I just, I, I think that it's, I think right now it's just a lot of posturing. I think both sides want to get a deal done. Neither side is necessarily falling all over themselves to make it obvious. Um, I, for the Eagles, I would say that a short-term deal and a developmental quarterback is kind of your best-case scenario. Um, because really, if you're debating between supporting a, a mediocre rookie quarterback or bringing in a guy like Bradford, are the ceilings really that much different? I mean, are you you're talking about maybe a longer-term plan with a rookie, but... If you're talking about a rookie whose ceiling isn't super high and next to a quarterback like Bradford, whose ceiling is probably similar, I don't really see a difference other than money. Right. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I, neither do I. And that's where I, I think 
And, and we kind of had this debate in the text thread and, you know, BLG and Matt and us always kind of go back and forth with this thing. But NFL contracts are toilet paper. Like, I don't, that, and, and with anything, I know this, it's kind of crazy how, along with Ertz and everybody else's extensions that are coming along and our rumors like, oh, there's just no money to keep these guys around here. Absolutely there is. If they really want all, all of this back and to work, they will find out a way to do it. Yes, there will be some backloading. Yeah, there's probably going to be a year or two extra of a guy that they can't get out of, but there are ways to make that work. The cap's going up. There's several other different things that they can do, and uh, I, I don't know why I just thought of it, but I'm kind of hoping that I think it would be funny and also depressing at the same time if Riley Cooper was somehow still here, you know, if we're talking about keeping guys around and doing all this stuff. But, yeah, I mean, there's 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 ways there's ways to do it here. And here, I, I guess this is what I'll ask uh, again to you, Ben, because – you are one of the best draft guys that is out there. Uh, if they decide to go, let's just say, look, I don't think they have a chance at Car- Carson Wentz at all. I, I honestly believe everything that's that's being down at the Super at the Senior Bowl, even before that, when it was rumored he's going to go in the top five. So that leaves between Goff and Lynch, uh, and that's pretty the, pretty much the only two guys I can think of that could go in the first round. Is there a guy out there that could surprise us all? And you could, you know, support him just like Patrick saying, and you somehow get lucky and also get Jason Spriggs or, you know, who else is kind of out there, whether it's, you know, Cody Whitehair, who apparently they're talking to. Is that enough for you to kind of move forward and feel good about it? In terms of in terms of like later round guys, is that what you're saying? No, yeah, I'm just saying, like, is it possible that they still they have more optionality than I actually think they do. Like, you know, it's not like every single prospect that we like or think of is going to go in the first and first and second round. Maybe if maybe they can hang around to that, you know, those that, that uh, third round and have kind of a selection of some of these offensive linemen that kind of go on there. I just feel like even if they have to go need, 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 do you think it could be end up being an okay draft, a good draft or better, you know, better than I'm thinking right now? The thing is with quarterback is that like every other position, um, and, and just being an NFL player and being a successful NFL player is all about confidence. But with quarterback and the value that you put on quarterbacks, it, that there, a magnifying glass is kind of put over that in terms of how much confidence is needed to, to play quarterback successfully and consistently in the NFL. So what you have to do with any, any guy you're drafting to play that position is you have to just – you need to put organizational confidence into him. You need to say, this is the guy that we're going to help develop uh, if he makes mistakes, he makes mistakes, but we need to just kind of stay the course with him. And and you see that a lot in the league where the teams that are willing to be patient with their quarterbacks are getting the best returns on them. And if you're rushing a quarterback in and out of new schemes, new offenses, you know, shuffling talent around them and everything like that, shuffling coaches around them, they're going to fail. So the team could absolutely go, you know, offensive line, you know, defensive line in the first round and get a guy like Jacoby Brissett or maybe even a Dak Prescott or a Trevon Boykin in the later rounds, guys who are super, super talented, uh, but, you know, they just need to take time. And as long as they're as long as they're given that time and they're given that patience, then I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to kind of take a late rounder uh, or a mid rounder to, to play quarterback, because uh, regardless of what happens, I don't think that a guy's, you know, you're going to get a guy who's immediately going to become a star. So it's just about and taking a guy who's talented, who you think can develop into something and allow them the time to do that. And I hope that's what the, their, the, I hope that's what their philosophy is. Honestly, I, I, I would, I would assume the good thing about Doug and about Frank Reich is that I, I think that they have, well, even Filippo too. I mean, I think they're all about 
developing a QB and whether that is bringing in whoever's off the street to allow them time to kind of get in there. I don't think they'll rush somebody that's in there, especially with the, the offensive line and wanting to make sure that that'll be decent for a rookie to kind of step into. You got to get used to, you know, the offense, you got to get used to a lot of things here. So I, I don't know, I guess P wall, that's why I kind of go back and forth a lot with this thing. I, I think it really de- depends on whatever is going to be here at the QB position. If Sam Bradford's here, I think they can contend for a playoff spot. If he's not, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I, is that, is that how you kind of feel right now? Yeah, right now I would. Um, I feel like I'm maybe less high on Sam Bradford than a lot of people. Um, I think he's done a lot of good things or did a lot of good things in Philly last year. Um, I didn't end the season feeling super great about his performances, but oh boy, I mean, this is this is what happens when you don't have a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that again. that's what I mean. <laughs> like, I and I and I know we we're we're going to move on from this and listen. What we're going to try not to bring in this debate up again <laughs> as much as possible. So. Uh, I, I think until the draft gets here, we should really focus on that. And that's why we have Ben on here. And Ben, I mean, let's go through the Senior Bowl is coming up this week. It's kind of why we want to preview some of this stuff that's going on here. Um, obviously, some of the names have been sticking out. Carlos Car, uh, Carson Wentz has been freaking, you know, everybody's love child. Uh, that's been kind of down there. But I bring up Jason Spriggs' names only because uh, he did get interviewed by the Eagles. Obviously, it doesn't mean... A whole lot, but it means that they are obviously interested in targeting a lot of these guys. Uh, I think between you, me, and Matt, we've been on the the Jason Springs bandwagon for a long time there. Guy that could easily, with a good combine, go into the first round. Um, what do you think of uh, him? Is that one of the guys you're keeping your eye on this weekend? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see him against all these different pass rushers because uh, there's, only, there's like a, a very like strange particular type of athlete that plays in the Big Ten, and it usually involves being slow and corn-fed. So you don't get to see um, you don't get to see a lot of these guys go up against premium pass rushers, you know, unless they're going up against Ohio State. But uh, Spriggs is a you know converted tight end. He's six eight, three hundred pounds, very very long arms, and he moves incredibly well. And and I think that value might be taken off of, of that. Uh, in fans' minds now that we're moving away from a zone-blocking scheme. But I think it's still incredibly important to have those types of athletes uh, on your offensive line because the the brand of athlete that's on, on NFL defensive lines nowadays is insane, and you need to go athlete to athlete now. But on top of that, uh, to kind of fit into the new offensive philosophy or what we think the new offensive philosophy is going to be, I think that Spriggs has a lot of natural power, and he, he does have a, a nice mean streak to him. Uh, where he's going to fit into a gap blocking scheme, so I would be totally comfortable, you know, taking him at thirteen and just plugging him in at you know right tackle or left tackle or wherever that whole uh, situation is going to be with you know if Jason Peters comes back, move Lane Johnson to the left side, maybe Jason Peters is a guard and then Spriggs is a right tackle. I'm I'm not sure, but he he's the type of athlete you want on your offensive line, and I have. I have no problem taking him in the top 15. I think that's that's perfect value for him. Uh, ben, one of the guys that um, intrigues me a little bit, if, if for no other reason than because I love memes. How oh, I know where this uh, is going. <laughs> <laughs> so, Baylor DN Sean Oakman. Um, I've heard a little bit that he, he plays DN, maybe can be moved around a little bit. Um, where do you see him going in the draft? What kind of fit do you think he would have 
in a in an even front and uh just what your thoughts are in general on, on senior bowl so oakman is the classic case of looks like tarzan and plays like jane where Ooh. it's not he's not overly physical he doesn't play with a, with a great amount of awareness but you know there's some nice athleticism there and he, ha- he has some good burst to him his anticipation's not very good so you don't get to consistently see that burst but he he's a guy who could probably play you know defensive end in, in a in a an even front and kind of work as your cleanup guy. Um, the issue is because he's very tall, but he's also very, very lean that you're not going to get a lot of leverage, uh, you know, good leverage from him. And at the same time, you're not bringing a lot of natural power. So it's, it's really inconsistent and a team that takes him is going to have to, you need to have some type of, you know, defensive line staff that can really groom him. Cause I'm really not sure in terms of what he is in the NFL. I do think he actually goes a lot higher than, than a lot of people are, are saying just because he is the type of player. I mean, he, he just looks like an NFL player and NFL teams are stupid and they get caught up in that. And, and to be honest, and I don't want to jinx it and I'm just going to knock on some wood right now. <laughs> uh, Jim Schwartz has a propensity for these ultra, ultra long, defensive ends you know with Ziggy Ansa and Jason Jones yeah. and you know during his time in Tennessee he had a lot of guys like that so I could I could totally see the Eagles just being a little bit infatuated with with the the idea of Sean Oakman uh hopefully they don't really get past that because in terms of in terms of him as a player I wouldn't really bank on him until late day three in terms of getting good value for what he brings to the table yeah, I know. I'm kind. Of, I'm kind of feel the same way about that. I think it's uh, a lot of people know his name just because it, like his, even his legs. You know, they don't. It's just like you. You have this huge upper body, and then all of a sudden, these chicken legs that are that are right there too. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird dude to evaluate. So hopefully, I don't know. Maybe he kind of comes out in the in the Senior Bowl and balls, and everybody loves him to death. Uh, another guy that's on this list that I, I tell you what I really like, and I don't think is I don't think he's got enough attention. It's not it's not a Big Ten bias, and granted. Uh, Maryland's a, a terrible school, but Sean Davis actually, to me, uh, has a chance here to be a, a pretty good corner, and I think a, a pretty good value as far as, uh, you know, I see a lot of people maybe in uh, late day two, day three uh, type of type of spot form, but the Maryland DB, 6-1, uh, they've talked to him here too. I think he's got, to, well, definitely a willing tackler, uh, but any thoughts on uh, on Sean Davis here, bud? Yeah, and I think that the thing with Sean Davis is that they probably want to toughen up the defense a little bit, and they're probably going to – I mean, there's a classic trope of defenses or teams will always take on the personality of their head coach, and uh, anyone who's kind of seen anything of Jim Schwartz knows that he's a freaking madman, uh, and he just loves to yell, and it's just he's the most perfect thing in the world. Um, and I think that they're probably going to be looking for players who kind of embody that very, uh, you know, that loud, that physical type of that physical type of mindset. And Davis, you know, very productive at Maryland, a big body, physical, willing tackler, trash talker, like all of the, all the yeah. all the stuff That's that you like really him. want from <laughs> from your corners where it's like he's going to he's going to make, you know, he, he might be a little bit slower, but he's going to try to get into a you know, wide receivers head on every single snap and he's going to hit anyone at any time as much as he can. And and I th- just think they're, they're looking for that type of mindset on defense because last year there was moments where the defense really got soft. And I, and I, I really think they're trying to get away from 
uh, finesse in their players when they're where they're looking for more of a jackhammer approach at every position, which yeah. is totally fine by me. Yeah, and I could see that, and I, I know it's like everybody's favorite thing to say, but I could honestly see Sean Davis as a safety as well. I think he might even fit that role a, a, a little more. Um, he's got he still has the range. I still think his ball skills are pretty decent, but um, I think that's one name you should look out for. But I know me and Patrick, we 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 don't know a, a ton. I mean, Ben is Ben is there sniffing tape. Uh, dancing, acting, he's doing everything all at once. He's his hands in like, you know, 500 different things. So who are three guys, maybe two or three guys that you think we should look out for this weekend? Um, I'm going to go with the, the easy one first and just say uh, Noah Spence out of Eastern Kentucky. That's a good he name. is one of my favorite defensive linemen in this draft. He is fast as hell off the edge. I, he, he can bend the edge. He has great counter moves and he, it just... I, I love seeing a player who can just kind of bend the arc around the offensive tackle in order to create that disruption uh, on a defensive line. And he got suspended from Ohio State for some failed drug test. The word on the street is that he's interviewing super, super well, uh, and he's he's been clean for the past year. So, you know, I'm rooting for him. I'm hoping that he's able to kind of put all that behind him. Uh, but he's a tremendously good player, and I think that the Eagles are going to be looking for some pass rush um, at some point in the draft. I mean, we'll see, but if they, I mean, I would not argue with him going at 13. He he should probably end up going a lot higher, but he, I think he's a very good player. Um, Staying on the defensive side of the ball. uh, I'm going to go with a local guy with uh, Tavon young, another cornerback from temple. Yeah. And uh, he's a bit smaller. I'm not sure what the the size requirements are with with this new defense. Oh, you don't have to worry about that now. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping right? that it's, it's not about you know <laughs> big people beat up little people. I'm hoping it's like good players are good, and it doesn't really matter how big they are. Uh, but Tavon Young is a guy who could like start at nickel corner immediately. He's smart. He's physical. He, I mean, once again, he's that like trash talking, like really mm-hmm. likes to get in a wide receiver's face type of guy. Has good ball skills, really long arms for a guy his size. Um, and from everything I heard down in Mobile, he was looking good the whole week. You know, he was trash talking a little bit. And uh, I just think he'd be really good as a, a potential nickel corner, um, you know, in the mid rounds, maybe even the late rounds of the draft. Well, real, real, real quick on that. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people out there you just made happy. You know, there's and and look, I think he could. And, you know, at 5'9", it's, it's a little difficult. I, and I, I agree with you on the nickel corner part. A lot of it, because even when you even saw against like when he played against Notre Dame, uh, there were there were struggles there. I mean, there was there were times where just like, yeah, you really can't hang with those bigger wide receivers. But again, in this same vein of of Davis, it's it's this. You're right. It's it's the willingness to go out and, and make a hit. It is being very enthused and pumped up. When you make a play, so again, it fits that mentality. Yeah, and even even going to that Notre Dame game, I think that the cool thing with that Notre Dame game was it showed a lot of his good and bad side where he was getting toasted a couple of times, but at the yep. same time, he's a really short memory, which is really important for a corner. And he was, I mean, he was coming back to it every single play. I mean, he was talking trash. He was, getting, you know, Will Fuller, who was Notre Dame's, you know, stud deep threat last season, um, he was able to really get into Will Fuller's head uh, for a good part of the game and, and – he also brings the brings the wood when it comes to being a tackler, and he'll fight for the ball after the catch, like try to you know knock it out or force a fumble or something like that. And I just love that mentality, and the, a lot is to be said about players who are constantly 
you know, putting their hands on the football. And I think that's that's the case with Tavon Young. And there's going to be some physical limitations with him. But anytime you can get a guy who's physical, who's smart, who's, you know, willing tackler, I think he'd be a, an asset at nickel corner. I probably wouldn't put him on the outside in the in the NFL, but I think he'd be a really, you know, really good slot cornerback. Who's the uh, who's the last guy on your list that you should definitely check out? Last guy to appease the masses of Philadelphia <laughs> fans who no, are no, so thirsty for a guard. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no, that's good. Yeah. Oh, um, is uh, Josh Garnett out of Stanford? Um, I know that Matt, you know, who's not on the show right now, he loves Stanford players. Guardy McBeef. So, Yes. Yeah, Guardy McBeef. Guardy McBeef from Stanford. Uh, we're just getting all the, the demographics in there right now. Um, he is nasty as hell, uh, quick feet, uh, long arms, and a lot of people are currently saying that he, he reminds them of uh, Gabe Jackson, who Oakland drafted in 2014 and has been really, really good for the Raiders the past two years. So uh, I think as the, the team makes a shift philosophically on the offensive line, uh, Josh Garnett fits perfectly at what they potentially want at guard. He's just nasty and perfect for a gap blocking scheme. And he would just make a mess in the run game uh, for defenses. And I think that would just, I, I think he's a name to watch because he's just tremendously, tremendously rude as an offensive lineman, which I just love to see in an offensive lineman. Yeah, and just, just like Ben was saying, like he's one of those guys that they could have used last year. Like they're, they're that's a, that, that's what they were missing as far as like yeah the that's I know everybody got upset about the sweet plays and and all of that but when it comes down to it they were they were missing a mauler they needed a mauler Josh Garnett's a mauler and oddly enough also I didn't even realize this till now they did interview him as well so that make that makes that makes a lot of sense here and I think that and I know a lot of people were getting real pumped up that Carl Nassib was was you know talked to and I think that's a for, for all the PSU people that are out there. And Patrick, I guess that's the thing, too, is just like at the end of the day, I know we have all our like, I'd be okay with this at 13. Uh, thank God that there's there is a lot of things that are out there. Like you could you could take a you could do a spinorama of all the names that could be around there. And I think you could mostly be happy. But, you know, it, it, are there. All right. Let's say let's make, create another scenario because that's going to be happening all, all, all the time. Uh so they keep Bradford. Let's say they do pick a guard at 13. Are you okay with that? You know, let's say if they have a Josh Garnett or or whoever there. I, I what I guess what are you comfortable with at 13 basically? I will I will say this. I am comfortable with a guard and I'll go one step further and maybe maybe get into hot take territory. Uh-oh. But I will say that I'm happy with that with a guard pick because I don't think the team's that far away. Ah! No, that's what I mean. I'm with you, Pwell. I'm with you. But explain why you think they're not that far away. I don't think they're that far away because I think it's it, it things really didn't go well last year. And there were a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I also don't think you can go from trendy Super Bowl pick to needs to rebuild the team <laughs> after one seven win season. That's I, a fair there, point. There's got to be middle ground. Um, I think if you improve the offensive line, you improve a lot of facets of the offense. And if you improve the facets of the offense plus a Jim Schwartz defense. I don't I don't understand when people say this team needs to get rebuilt just because they don't have a quarterback doesn't mean you need to do a rebuild. This is not the NBA. You don't have to wait for a superstar at quarterback before you can contend. Um, I think you need to get a guard or some sort of solidifying force there on the offensive line. And like I said, maybe that maybe that's really what, what what's up with DeMarco Murray or another season... Uh, to rest from his crazy 2014 season 
is the key. And then that helps open up the passing game. And then Sam Bradford looks better. Um, all that is to say that if a guard is where they feel like they want to go, I'm not going to complain because I'm still not over Danny Watkins or something like that. Uh, well, I tell you what, I'm going to get Ben's thoughts on that too. We've been talking for about 41 minutes. And I just got to remind everybody that of how awesome clip it is. And I know we've all used it kind of here. Brandon's used it. Uh, it is one of the best apps not just for sports, and and granted, I'm going to be using it a ton during Senior Bowl. I'm sure Ben is too, because we want to highlight some of these plays that are going to be made over the weekend here. But if you, I mean, if you see Donald Trump say something stupid, if you see Hillary Clinton say something stupid over this entire election process, bang, it's right there in the palm of your hand. It is literally live television that you can go, oh my God, I can't believe that happened or this this was said, or I want somebody to see this immediately. You just scroll through, you open the app, you find out what you're watching, you type it in, it's there. You can go back up to two hours, a full 30-second HD clip to share with everybody, and it's right there. It's perfect for blogs, it's perfect for Twitter, Facebook, anything else. Clip it. It's in the Apple Store. It's in for the Android. Go check it out immediately. Uh, ben, I mean, are is this, and I've, I've, I've said the same thing for, for a couple of weeks now, and P. Wall just touched on it. with Jim Schwartz's defense, it's changed a lot of things in my mind. I think that was basically we all got really excited after that. We're like, oh my god, okay, this this thing could be really nasty here. Even if uh, we can, you know, we're going to keep posting uh, time of possession like crazy throughout the entire games, probably this upcoming season. Uh, but uh, I, I think there, this defense has enough talent to be a top ten, maybe even the top five defense in this system. If you if you guys you have guys one gapping in that line, and if you got Vinnie Curry teeing off, uh, I think the secondary is pretty good. You know, despite what we've <laughs> we we uh, have the hot takes on Byron Maxwell back and forth, but is this team closer than a lot of people think it is as far as contending for a playoff spot? Well, I do think the defense is going to be really, really nasty. I think that when you have, I think that Fletcher Cox. I mean, Fletcher Cox was so so good last year, and I think he's going to even get better next year, where you have him just primarily one gapping and, 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 you know, working as a three technique and kind of simplifying everything up front for defense uh, and allowing that pressure to make it easier on the defensive backs. I think it's going to be this ripple effect in defense. That's going to be fantastic. And, and you saw Jim Schwartz uh, last year, the last year he was in work um, with Buffalo in 2014, they had uh, 55 or 54 team sacks, and they had five players who had more than five sacks on their defensive line. This year, with uh, Rex Ryan, who's a, who's supposedly a genius, they had 27 <laughs> sacks um, and no players with more than five sacks. Uh, same same personnel. Um, so he Schwartz really knows how to get the most out of his guys. Uh, and when you have um, when you have Fletcher Cox, when you have Vinnie Curry, when you have uh, Benny Logan, you're really talented. Um, defensive linemen and then also linebackers um you know with michael kendricks jordan hicks and hopefully a healthy kiko alonzo um the jim schwartz's defense likes to put a lot of stress on the linebackers uh, but when you have athletes like that at the linebacker position i think that the defense the front seven is just going to be absolutely tremendous uh the only the only safe the, the only position i think is is kind of a question mark right now is the strong safety position because schwartz does like to use a more traditional strong safety where they're playing out of the box they're dropping you know they're dropping out of the box and they're playing the run first well i think that and that's actually interesting because this is one thing we've kind of talked about back and forth a little bit is um basically 
I could see them more in. Granted, that strong safety is going to play the run first. We've all seen that before in this scheme. That's what that's what the responsibility is. But could you see the tweeners, uh, which is is starting to become the new position, I guess, for guys like Dion Buchanan? Does that fit here? Yeah, I would say absolutely. I think the team really is really going to need a type of player like that who can play. You know, either a really athletic linebacker, which the team has, or you know, a, a box safety. Um, and I think that's going to be something they they look at going into the draft. Because you know, as good as Walter Thurman was for the team last year, I don't think that he can really hold up uh, like that. You know, in this defense, and you know, Malcolm Jenkins was perfectly fine at free safety. So I think they're probably going to want to keep him there and then, you know, draft a big guy, you know, maybe a, a Sua Cravens or something like that. Or, oh, no, or, no, please. Or, no. or pay, uh, you know, Georgia Loka to, to play that strong safety spot. Um, well, you know what this, Patrick, you know what this means? Next Dawkins, baby. Welcome back. Oh. <laughs> next Dawkins! <laughs> or next Palomalo in, in that case. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, well, that's what I mean. I don't think that guy can cover Ben. So I, I admit, and if that if they, if that's what they're looking for, I guess great, you know. But you you even brought up the fact that he kind of likes to work with those uh, two linemen, that old school Belichick thing that he did with the Giants, where it's two linemen, four linebackers, five DBs, kind of sets out there. Like I think that could be kind of interesting moving forward. And you know, it's a, people we talk about all this stuff all the time, and we still haven't. I don't know. I, I it's I think it's going to literally take us until August until we go. Okay, this is the type of offense we are running because I don't I don't have a clue yet. I still don't know what what is going to be the emphasis here. Otherwise, other than it's going to be pass heavy, tight end heavy, uh, running back light. Is uh, do you have any other semblance of what you think this offense is going to be? Based on what we've heard from from Peterson and Reich, I think we're going to see something very similar to what Andy was running uh, at least late period. Andy. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a lot of quick passing. I think it's going to be passed to set up the pass, as we've seen. Um, one maybe low-key thing to look out for in the offseason is if they really do want to keep paying all three of these running backs. Um, but I think that's why they wanted to keep Ertz, probably why they wanted to keep Selleck. Interested to see what happens with Jordan Matthews. But I think we're really going to see um, kind of a return to, to Andy Ball. And um, I'm kind of curious to see what a guy like uh, Josh Huff can do. You know, you it's give him be interesting his role, right? Maybe you maybe, you know, you don't rely on him going deep so much, but you try to get him to get yak, which I think he'd be fine with. Um, yeah, I, I, I just think we're going to see it's not a, a sexy answer, but I think it's going to be very similar to what we were seeing at the end of uh, the Andy Reid era. Well, it's going to be. Well, I, I say that with uh, Josh Huff and that's I think that's what they tried to do with him anyway. He's just, you know, stone handed it out there. So, um, well, with that, with that being said, I know that there's there's going to be a lot of lot to this process here. And obviously for. Uh, ben, I mean, this is this is going to be his wheelhouse, and we'll have just draft shows. We're all, I mean, he's changed his name now, but Charles McDraft two. Uh, what is he? Sunday fiasco now? Is that what he changed his name? Something to? ridiculous. <laughs> so he was down at the Senior Bowl. We're going to get heavily involved with with that. I think we'll just split off and just start doing just draft shows all together because we can freak out and break you know position by position down. But uh, Ben, before we go, final thoughts about Senior Bowl, the Eagles, anything you want here, pal? Yeah, so far in terms of who they're looking at, you know, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a piece up on who they're looking at, but it just the general philosophies that they're taking on what the players are looking at is is just rude and physical and and just mean players, which is not something that you know Chip Kelly was really inclined to to go in. Like you had the the big and the fast guys, but 
that, you know, they wanted choir boys. And, and I think that the team cares less about choir boys and more about, you know, just football players, which I think the, the fans are going to really like. So it's kind of exciting, um, I think. P. Wall, um, I'm just excited to get this this draft process started. As uh, as you guys know, the draft is not my, my biggest foray. So it's a lot of fun to sort of watch Ben shine a little bit and uh, and just really get ready. I mean... After the season was over, all you want to do is see your team get better, right? All you want to do is feel good about the team again. So free agency in the draft is great for that, and and I can't wait. Uh, My under-the-radar name for this weekend, I'm not sure if I I think he's playing this weekend, is uh, DeAndre Houston Carson. Uh, He's a little small school kid. I don't know what it is about the William & Mary thing. You know, I, I, for some reason, I always pick out one of the small school guys that I really, really like. Trey McBride, I think, who also went to William and Mary, was my guy last season. So, but I, I'm curious to what he's a safety. Uh, you know, he's, he kind of fits the mold of that, of of that uh, could be a box type of safety, a Jim Schwartz type of guy. I notice that we're we're very defensive heavy because I, I think it's. I, for whatever reason, I just can't find, especially in the Senior Bowl. Other than you know, we haven't we, we didn't even touch on Braxton Miller, who is apparently like you know doing. I really can talk well about Braxton Miller. All you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, we'll save all the awesome Braxton Miller, and I think he's I think he's also going to have a pretty a pretty good Senior Bowl as far as like the route running and everything's concerned. Um, he looks fantastic out there. So uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot to talk about, and we'll get into more of that. Uh, also, just like we said, P. Wall is going to be playing with his band, Queen of Jeans. If you can somehow sneak your way into Kung Fu Necktie uh, out there in Fishtown, we'll all be down there hanging out, rock and rolling and drinking beers. Uh, James Seltzer and myself will be on 97.5 The Fanatic from uh, 8 a.m. till noon on Sunday. Benjamin Albright will be there. We'll talk Senior Bowl along with that, too. Ben Natan has a ton of different articles coming out. So he is your draft guy. Uh, also, a big shout out to... PlaymakerMentality.com, which uh, Ben and a bunch of guys just started there. It is like the mini Grantland of football and everything else, and it's very awesome. In fact, uh, Ben has some great touching stories about his family uh, and stuff that is out there. It is definitely worth checking out, so you can do that as well. So for myself, John Barchard, for Mr. Patrick Wall, Ben Natan, uh, we thank you for listening to BGN Radio number 144 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.com. Guardy McBeef. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.